You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? You got Nick here. Just me today. Um, we've been having a lot of technical issues, so we wanted to get you uh, something this week. It's It sucks because we recorded two now great episodes that have gotten completely ruined when our software system um, was uploading them to the point where we really couldn't use any of the audio. Um, so... We really apologize for that, but we have a great interview with Pete Medhurst that deserves to see the light of day and hit your ears. So we have that for you today. Um, we were able to salvage Ryan's uh, week in recap and the month in recap. So you'll hear that. Um, I'm going to quickly go over some Nat's news and notes. So that way uh, we're all on the same page and get the discussion going. And then one way or another, we guarantee that all three of us will be back for next week's episode. We're going to like get things back rolling. Um, that way, I mean, it's September baseball leading into hopefully the playoffs for the Nats. We want to be on top of our game. We want to give you guys all the information, all the Nats talk, all the debates, all the news, all the takes, everything. Um, so one way or another, we will figure it out. It's it, it has sucked. It's been extremely frustrating because not only is the audio messed up, it's difficult for us to obviously find the um, time for each of us to record. Um, I mean, but we want we want to do this. We, we wouldn't do this if we didn't want to do it. So we're going to figure it out. That is our guarantee to you, our heaters. Um, but without further ado, here is Ryan and his week in recap and month in recap yeah you know um it is september baseball sorry uh, <laughs> it's september baseball and the games mean more everything is more important tensions are higher ah sorry september baseball gets me hyped the marlins are 48 and 48 and they are officially eliminated from the first wild card spot not the playoffs yet the nl's that badly the marlins could still make the playoffs um giraffe neck mark the YouTuber, that is. He's not an actual draft, but he does have a long neck. Um, he's a massive Mets fan. He was at the J.D. Davis walk-off against Indians. Uh, long neck posted a video on Twitter saying, and I quote, 
come to Queens, you're going to get stopped. I dare you. NL, we coming for you. L-F-G-M. Um, well, everyone got that memo because the Mets lost six straight games at home in Queens in embarrassing fashion. The Mets lost seven of ten. They are 69 and 67. Sorry, they just beat the Nats today. They are 70 and 67. 67. They are four games back of the wild card spot with 28 to go, and they have one of the five easiest schedules left in baseball. The Phillies took two or three from the Pirates, and then thanks to the Mets' terrible bullpen, they took two or three from them. Bad news always comes for the Phillies. Sir Anthony Dominguez, the best name in all baseball, is going to miss most of next season because of his injury. But don't worry, everyone. The Phillies GM assures that this team will be in the postseason well beyond this season. Um, the Phillies have arguably been this year's biggest disappointment, no matter how this season ends. Um, they were supposed to run away at this division. They spent $500 million in the offseason. They are two and a half games back of the Cubs for the second wildcard spot. But don't worry, Philly fans. The future is not too dark. Um, you just have the toughest schedule in baseball left in September where 22 of your 27 games are against teams currently in the playoff spot. They are 70 and 65. The Nationals' week started off pretty well. They kept winning, and fans did not show up to the games, and they keep doing that as attendance keeps dropping. Um, they got shut out by the Orioles, but you know what? You know what the good thing is about you play the Orioles and Marlins in back-to-back series? Um, you could play terrible defense, have bullpen meltdowns, uh, struggle a little bit offensively at times, and you can still go 4-1 on the week because they suck, and the Nats took care of that. The Nationals, who were once 19-31, are a whopping 77-59. They have a 6.5 game lead in the wild card and a 4 game lead on the home field for the wild card spot. The Nationals do have a tough schedule remaining in September, though. Um, they have seven games with the Braves, and they have three against the Indians to take it all. And they also have a very, very crucial five-game set against the Phillies, which we will touch on in a little bit. After losing two in a row, the Braves got things together, and they continue to win when the Nationals win. They are 85-54. and 54. Freddie Freeman continues his MVP campaign. Braves fans and media are very insecure about their now six-and-a-half-game lead heading into the final month, but... They did just get reinforcements of their vocal leader, Brian McCann, as he is back. And that is how things stand in in Elise for September. And let's focus to how things are looking around baseball, which was a very, very busy month of August. Uh, Justin Verlander, he solidifies the fact that he is going to win another Cy Young this year with his third career no-hitter, and he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer as a member of the Astros. Mike Trout becomes the second youngest player in MLB history to get to the 200 home run and 200 stolen base mark. If you're not paying attention to him, you might as well start because he's an all-time great. Uh, the Twins, they set the season record for most home runs in one season with 268. They did this on August 30th. Um, speaking of juice balls, MLB wow. warns that players in danger <laughs> of using gas station PEDs, if you know what I mean. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Haha, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll be here all I'll be here all night, guys. And lastly, on a high note, there are ten teams all within five games of a wildcard spot. Most teams have a division schedule left in September, so September is gonna be fun, it's gonna be dramatic, and I am all here for it. Let the games begin. Let's do it. 
All right, so you just heard Ryan's recaps. Uh, thank you to him. Um, I was going to say posthumously, but he is not dead. But <laughs> uh, that was the clip. The, one of really the only things we were able to salvage from either one of the episodes we've recorded. But, um, but something's better than nothing. So he broke it down pretty well. But here's some uh, kind of notes that we were talking about on the episode uh, before it got messed up. Obviously, Anthony Rendon is on fire right now. He has firmly placed himself in the MVP conversation. This was as of Labor Day, which was Monday. Uh, he was hitting over 600 in his last seven with a, a OPS of over 1,200. I mean, he's only added to that recently. He's leading the league in batting average. He is right up there um, in RBIs. He, I believe, just tied Freddie Freeman today. Um, today is Wednesday. I believe he just tied Freddie Freeman in RBI. So, I mean, he won't get up there as far as home runs, but he could be leading batting average and um, RBIs at season's end and even possibly OPS. So that alone should so or firmly place him in MVP conversation. It's been Bellinger and Yelich. Uh, like a two horse race thus far, but Rendon absolutely deserves uh, consideration. And the fact that the Nats are looking like a playoff team only helps his case. So yeah, he's not the big name superstar, but make no mistake about it. Anthony Rendon is a superstar and he is an MVP player. So, I mean, say it with me, everyone Nats, please resign this man. Give him all the monies in the world. You have it. Speaking of money, uh, this is kind of old news at this point, but we haven't talked about it yet again, just because it's been a while since our last episode. The Nats have won the Masson hearing. Huge news. Masson's going to pay the Nats $100 million more in additional rights fees. Huge news. Obviously, more money, more money to spend. The ownership feels better about spending when they have more money in their pockets. Um Mass had only paid the Nats $197 million from 2012 to 2016. Um, they owed him $297 million, so that difference of $100 million will finally be paid out to the Nats. But not only that, the um, Orioles ownership argued that they couldn't pay the Nats because it would affect um, their ownership of the Orioles and of Masson. So what this um, decision will likely do, we can see possibly Masson being dissolved and the Orioles possibly being sold in the next few years. The Nats still have a contract with Masson through 2025. So it'll be a while before um, the Nats are able to join a different TV network. But Amanda Ryan and I are in all in agreement that we would love to see the Nats join NBC Sports Washington. It just opens up the ability to see games not only – uh, on TV, but different platforms as well. Um, if they do join NBC Sports Washington, again, it's a couple years down the road, but it's great news. And for those of you who still have a soft spot for the Orioles, there has been talk about relocating the team. I don't believe that'll happen just because the Orioles have more appeal than most just because of history and they have a great ballpark and they're basically torn down to the studs right now because they don't have many attractive players bringing fans to the game, but they have a loyal fan base. 
the Royals just sold for a billion dollars, and the Orioles are going to get more than that. Um, so I don't think they're going to be relocated, but uh, could possibly be sold within the next few years, which actually might not be a bad thing for the organization. But it is September, and that means rosters have expanded. Um, we've seen some familiar faces and some new faces. Uh, people like Michael A. Taylor, our best friend, Michael K. Taylor, I should say. Um, he just got called up today. Wilmer Defoe, another one of our uh, favorite players, got called up. Um, we've seen bullpen help. Andrew Stevenson. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman uh, got activated. He's been swinging it pretty well, not only in his rehab games, but in his couple games back. Jeremy Helixson was found. I mean, he's been missing in action for months now. He's back. So we've needed the Nats to be healthy. It's, I mean, you could argue that the Nats have never been more healthy than they are now. Obviously, perfect time because it's the stretch we need everyone all hands on deck right now gearing up for hopefully i mean the division still is possible i'm not going to call it by any means but we have enough games against the braves remaining to close the gap and make the division a real race but hopefully the vision probably the wild card we need every man uh pulling their weight so we'll see um i mean dropping two of three against the mets not a great start, but we will see going forward some huge series this month. I mean, six or seven against the Braves. We got the Cardinals, who are currently leading the Central. We got the Indians, who are in the wild card race in the AL. We got the Phillies. Um, we only have one really easy series, and that's against the Marlins, and it's only three games. So it's a brutal stretch for the Nets. So we really need everyone healthy, everyone pitching to the best of their ability everyone hitting to the best of their ability. The offense looks good. Um, we just need the pitching to come around, Scherzer to get healthy, bullpen to figure their crap out, um, and hopefully we can make this uh, division a conversation down the stretch or at least um, make the playoffs a conversation. But now let's get to the main event. Uh, this was about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, at this point, but Ryan and Amanda set up a, a nice interview with one Pete Medhurst. You might have heard of him. He's kind of a big deal. Uh, but they, uh, I was going to say sit down and sat down and talked to him, but they uh, had a nice phone interview with him, talked all things Nats. Um, Pete's a great interview. Uh, I know Amanda and Ryan had a blast interviewing him, so hopefully we'll have him back on in the future, but let me stop talking and you can hear professional talk. And here is the interview with Pete Medhurst. Okay. We are joined by Pete Medhurst of 106.7 The Fan and also many other, and many, many other organizations. I like to think of you, Pete, as the uh, Ryan Seacrest of DC Sports. You have like 93 jobs. <laughs> a, I wish I looked like Ryan Seacrest, and B, I wish I had the cash that Ryan Seacrest gets paid uh, for every appearance. But uh, you know, sometimes you got to hustle a little bit. And uh, 2019 has uh, has been pretty good so far. No complaints. Great to be with you guys. All right. So, can you tell for those of our listeners who don't uh, know you from anything but um, 106.7? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do around town? 
Uh, obviously, in addition to working with the Junkies in the morning and Greg and Danny on 106.7 The Fan um, and hosting Nats first pitch Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock, I get, uh, this year I've joined the Nationals Radio Network doing uh, Sunday editions of Nats Talk Live, which is their post-game show on the network after games. And uh, fortunately, I've been able to, uh, by the end of this weekend, I will have called 12 games on the radio with Charlie Slows this year as Dave Jagler moves over to TV when uh, Bob Carpenter needs uh, a night off. And, um, you know, in addition to being the voice of Rosecroft Raceway, I'm also the voice of uh, Navy Athletics. I do all of Navy's football, basketball, uh, lacrosse. Uh, we have 33 varsity sports, and we do a lot of them on uh, stadium.com, which is the uh, visual component. Uh, and uh, we do everything from water polo to wrestling and uh, everything in between. So uh, it's the third biggest uh, athletic program in the country. Only Stanford and Ohio State have more sports uh, than Navy does. So we try to do. Uh, a lot of them, uh, both the men's and the women's, to give them as much publicity uh, as possible, and that makes for a pretty busy, uh, pretty busy year. So, <laughs> yes, indeed, I would think so. And in your copious free time, you also do some umpiring, don't you? I think I've seen some. Yeah, I do. I, 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 about that. I do. Yeah, I umpire U Triple S A fast fast pitch softball and high school softball in Maryland and Anne Arundel County. Now, I don't know how much of the U-trip stuff I'll do next year since my daughter uh, has made her way onto a travel team, uh, the Northern Calvary. So, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. I know I'll be a little bit more of a parent next year than I will be an umpire, but at some point I'm going to have to separate the umpire from the parent when I'm watching the game to get through them. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, It's an exciting time, and as I said, professionally for me, 2019 uh, by far has been the the best year I've ever had. Oh, that's fantastic, and I guess you can sleep when you're dead. That's the... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they say, you know. That's you'll what rest they for, say. You'll, you'll, rest, you'll rest for a long time then. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into, you know, you, as you mentioned, you've been calling games um, with Charlie Slows, which is just awesome. I've listened to quite a lot of them. You're doing a fantastic job. What's that like? You've been around, you know, D.C. Sports a long time. You've been around the flagship radio station for years, but what's it? what's different? What's it been like uh, getting to travel with the team and be a part of that uh you know what it does it gives you a real appreciation for what your what goes into the three hours a night that we watch or listen to the baseball game and we see the players actually playing it gives you a chance to see what they do the hitting underneath the tunnels underneath uh, the clubhouse and uh, the guys that put in the running out on the field I mean there's a reason why Max Scherzer is as good as he is and is as competitive as he is I mean I'm watching him the day before he threw a gem in Cincinnati, and he is running from foul pole to foul pole in full sprint. At one time, he, he stops in the middle. I thought for a minute, um, you know, he was getting ready to, you know, lose his lunch and uh, caught him got, caught himself, got his breath, and he kept on running. Um, you know, and obviously for a pitcher, your legs are your foundation, and that's one of the reasons why Max has been, uh, you know, obviously lately the rhomboid issue has gotten him, but you know, he's never really had a problem here, you know, as a result of his legs because he puts that foundation in from a conditioning standpoint. And it's those things that you get to see. It's the people that swamp them at hotels. I mean, Adam Eaton and I are having a conversation outside of a hotel in Philly one morning. And, you know, literally two seconds after, you know, he and I uh, stopped conversing, you know, people are in his grill wanting him to sign things. And, uh, people are just camped out outside, so there's no there's no escape for the players. There's no chance for them to really get away, except for you know being holed up in their hotel room or you know hanging out in their clubhouse. 
uh, at the stadium. And I think as, as fans of the game, we lose that sometimes. We don't see that, and we don't see the lack of real privacy that these guys have. Certainly for the money, even the, the ones that are being paid, the major league minimum, uh, you know, it's still a pretty healthy living. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, <laughs> there's sure. a lot of sacrifices that uh, that these guys make, um, you know, during the course uh, of the season, where every little move they make is being watched by somebody. And and now, because everybody has a cell phone camera, no matter what you do, um, it's literally on tape somewhere. So even if you know you you start to lose your composure a little bit, you know, you got to be real careful because. Uh, obviously, somebody's ready to capture that on tape uh, at any time. And I, I think as fans, sometimes we forget that portion of their lives because we see the athletic robots that come onto the field for three hours a night uh, that especially uh, since uh, May 24th have given us just tremendous entertainment uh, from a baseball standpoint. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> They've been fun to watch. I think we do lose track of that. I think as fans, we, we just see – we just see what's on TV, so there's a whole lot more to it. Well, it's great that you've uh, got that opportunity. That it's been awesome to to listen to you. And you know, Charlie and Dave are amazing. One of the best play-by-play teams, I think, in in baseball for radio. And you have just slid in seamlessly there. So it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, look, and I and I I gotta be honest with you, I, I there's not been much in my broadcasting career that has made me nervous, but. <laughs> But sitting next to Charlie Slows in that booth, knowing you're filling in for Dave Jagler, that is one of the top teams in all of Major League Baseball. And Nationals fans expect a certain standard every night when they turn the radio on. They expect you to live up to that standard. You're going to put that headset on. uh, They expect you to be just as good as they are. And, you know, there are a lot of people in our business that are very territorial. Um, You know, they're – they're, hey, it's great to have you here, but you know sometimes they're not the most helpful people. Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler could not be more helpful. Uh, they, they have just been tremendous, and they have made it so uh, smooth for me in terms of the transition, uh, learning obviously the, the do's and the don'ts of what you do when you're with the team on the road and everything like that. Um, I, I could not have asked for more from them and Engineer Jack Hicks. Uh, they have just been amazing. Uh, amazingly helpful to me uh, to make this nervous transition uh, as smooth as possible. And, you know, I mean, like this case, I mean, I'm going to Wrigley Field for the first time this weekend, and that's somewhere I've never been. So, you know, you want to depend on them, uh, you know, to to know the do's and the don'ts. When's the bus leaving, you know, in terms of the ballpark, uh, where is everything located uh, from where the notes are and, and the press box and everything like that. So, um, I couldn't have asked for them better because uh, they are two of the very best that this game has to offer. Yeah, they certainly seem like it. They certainly seem like it. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of on-the-field talk. Um, Ryan and I, in the last episode of the podcast, talked quite a lot about Zimmerman now that his return seems imminent. Um, what are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to see from uh, from the team as far as their usage of Ryan Zimmerman, um, are we going to see him kind of back out there as the everyday first baseman, or are we just going to see him in certain matchups, or do you think they're going to wait maybe until after September 1st so they don't have to send anybody down? So I think I think the, the September 1st date's an interesting one because it gives you a chance uh, to give him as, as many at-bats as possible here at Harrisburg uh, down the stretch. The Eastern League obviously uh, ends that last week in August, first week in September there as well. 
Uh, so that creates at least something decent from a, the roster standpoint where uh, they don't have to worry about sending anybody down. But also I think what you're going to see, unless Ryan's really tearing it up, I think you're going to see Matt Adams continue to get a lot of the at-bats against the right-handed pitchers. But I also think you're going to see a lot of Ryan Zimmerman in the late innings uh, as a defensive replacement. Case in point, last night, that bunt um, that, that, that Pittsburgh had that went up in the air, and I think if the Nats catch that, it turns into a double play. That's a situation where Zimmerman, uh, being an A-plus fielder, probably comes in and makes that play and turns it into a double play. And I think that the biggest thing, too, is, Amanda, that you cannot underrate. Ryan Zimmerman has a tremendous amount of self-awareness. He understands that his body's let him down a little bit this year because there's no shortage of want to in Ryan Zimmerman. And, and we mm-hmm. all know Ryan wants to be here next year if his body will allow him to do it, and he's not going to take a lot of money to do it. But I think he understands that this is perhaps where that role is going for him unless you know his body allows him to play consistently and that bat gets going uh, again for him because there's one thing we have seen from Ryan Zimmerman through the years. There is no shortage of confidence in a pressure situation because that guy has hit many a big home run uh, for the oh, team yeah. late in games through the years. And you know what? It's going to happen sometime in September, I believe, uh, for this team uh, as well because for everything he's given this franchise, you really want him to dictate when he goes eventually. You don't want injuries uh, to have to dictate that to him. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, you remember we talked about this last – it would be awful to see this be the last thing that we saw from Ryan Zimmerman that he can't come back from this injury. No, I, I think so. I mean, I, I hope he's able to call his own number, uh, to, to be honest. Yeah. That's what you want every great athlete to go out. Yeah, exactly. Especially he's just been so much to this franchise. And, um, you know, from a analytics perspective, from a numbers perspective, it's been t- a tough couple of years for him since that you know, that big comeback year he had. But, yeah, I certainly would love to see him get back on the field and be able to contribute going down the stretch because this, this is a fun year. It's a fun group of guys, and I'm sure it's killing him not to be able to participate in it. Well, I think that and the fact that, you know, everybody kind of, you know, left the Nats for dead when Bryce Harper signed with Philadelphia. And to see them being at 19 and 31, and look, we often, what's the biggest thing we do? When a team is not performing, you know, fans start to criticize the highly paid guys on the team um, who may be doing their job, um, but because the team's not doing well, they're the first ones to get criticism. Well, this team was left for dead when, uh, Bryce Harper did not resign here, but to see what has happened and to see this team continually work at it, the injection of energy that Gerardo Parra uh, brought to the locker room, uh, and to see how they have fit. I mean, I don't think you can underrate this as Drupal Cabrera signing here late in the season. It certainly improves their utility uh, position because he's a, yeah, a much sure. better hitter than Adrian Sanchez from that standpoint. So, I mean, look at he's already had some big hits. Uh, in the lineup for this club, especially with Brian Dozier uh, being on paternity mm-hmm. leave. He's, he's filled in very nicely here uh, for Brian. So even little things like that, it shows you the brilliance of Mike Rizzo. He's always got his fingers on the pulse of what's happening. And, and look, Mike's the first one to tell you that, you know, the, 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 the bullpen signings early in the season, there's no question that blew up on them because two of the guys aren't even on the roster anymore. Uh, he, he took the bullet for that, but he kept at it. And he, he kept shopping at the flea market when he could. Uh, to grab mm-hmm. Fernando Rodney, who's, you know, been fairly steady uh, as a late-inning guy. And then, you know, look, I mean, people people were like, oh, my gosh, look at the deals the Braves made 
compared to the ones the Nationals made the trade deadline for the relievers. Well, the Nationals relievers analytically are performing at a much higher rate than Melanson and Shane Green are uh, for the Atlanta Braves so far. So, you know, and you know, we look at things, we look at numbers, and, and you know, the Nats got a lot of uh, criticism and uh, the Braves got a lot of praise at the deadline. But right now, those deals look a little bit better for the Nationals uh, than they do the Braves right now for what it's worth from an analytical standpoint. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I know, Ryan. You remember we talked a ton about how we wish they would have gotten Sean Green, uh, Green before the before the deadline, and now it looks like maybe they're better off that they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned talking about how great a job Mike Rizzo's done this year. Where do you think this ranks for his like overall season, the work he's doing, considering the fact that he was kind of stuck, you know, up against the luxury cap, and he found signs that completely turned the season around. How good of a job do you think he's doing compared to past seasons? Well, I think, you know, you you know, you know, mentioned the key word there. I mean, there's no question they're up against the luxury tax, and uh, he's been given a directive by management this year uh, to not go above that because if they do go above it, they get taxed at such a much higher rate that the team had to take a stand and say, look, we've got we've to put ourselves in a better position uh, financially uh, going forward. As a result of that, as I said, Mike went shopping at the flea market, uh, you know, for guys like Fernando Rodney, you know, bringing him in. He, he's pitched, you know, fairly well. And then I think I, I don't think anybody on the planet saw the Nats move for Hunter Strickland coming, especially with nope. no. spending time on the 60-day DL. But as is often the case, you know, you yeah. find out when that guy's on your team, you find out, oh, he's not really that bad of a guy. And, and clearly he's matured a little bit. Uh, from the run in in San Francisco with Bryce Harper, <laughs> and and he's pitched brilliantly uh, for this team. And the fact that he was on the 60-day IL, Davey Martinez had to be judicious about how he used him. But now you're starting to see him as he pitches more uh, and gets more innings under that arm. You know, Davey's now been able to go to him two days in a row, and that was something they avoided at first because you, you just didn't want to do that with him coming off the six coming off the 60-day uh, injured list. So. I think from the from what Mike was able to do from a luxury tax standpoint, I think he made as good a moves as possible. And like I said, you know, the flea market moves for a guy like Estrubal Cabrera and, and Fernando Rodney have already paid dividends for the team, and I think they will pay dividends somewhere down the road in September uh, for this ball club as well if they are to get uh, where they ultimately want to go, and that's at least qualifying for postseason play. That's a good uh, segue into my next question for you, Pete, which is we've talked kind of at length on the podcast about whether or not there's any chance they're going to catch the Braves. Um, we're all kind of thinking probably not at this point unless the Braves would take a big step back, but um, they look pretty good getting in as a wild card team. What do you kind of see as the the ceiling for this ball club? I mean, we all have talked a lot about and watched a lot of bullpen meltdowns, so we know that the bullpen has its issues. What do you see as – you know, kind of where this team can get this year. Well, I mean, clearly, uh, if you get to the wild card game, it's—I mean, that's why they call it a wild card game. I mean, you're hoping your pitching rotation works out to one of your big guns available for that game. And look, the winner of the wild card game is going to play the Dodgers. So, you know, you got to keep Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy and that crew in the ballpark. You, you got to keep them from from hitting long balls, and you got to face Yin Jin Ryu and, and Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and Walker Bueller. So, I mean, there's a reason why the Dodgers' record is what it is. If the Nats got in and lost to the Dodgers, there would be no shame in that. However, 
as a Nats fan and baseball observers, you know, look at it, the Nats are crushing the baseball right now. Right now. And if you take their first three guys in the rotation, you match those first three guys up against the Dodgers' first three guys uh, mm-hmm. on equal terms. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, you allow yourself to think, hey, we've got the pitching certainly to compete with the Dodgers uh, in the starting rotation. The question is, and, and both teams have both teams have had shaky bullpen. Kenley Jansen has not been the sure thing uh, in, in the ninth inning. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I, both teams would have, in my mind, equal questions in terms of the back end of the bullpen. The question becomes, who's big hitters? And we see this in baseball playoffs all the mm-hmm. time. I mean, I remember for years, Dave Winfield would make the, the playoffs with the Yankees and could not hit a lick in postseason play. We've seen great players who could not do that. The question becomes, whose star players step up in postseason play, the lights aren't too big for them, and who continues on? Um, I mean, think about this. If Anthony Rendon gets to the postseason and has a big postseason, I mean, he's already had a great regular season. But if he has a big postseason, where does the market go for him uh, in, in the offseason in terms of signing him? Right. I mean, so that's it. To me, if, if you're star players, if you're Rendon's, if you're Turner's, if you're Soto's, come up with big playoff performances, you have a chance. But that's the only way you beat the Dodgers or even yeah. the wild card team is if those guys come through for you. Um, in the postseason play. They have got to be reasonably consistent if you have any chance to beat uh, a great team like Los Angeles is. Yeah, I think at this point I'd probably give a slight edge to our starting rotation here in D.C., but I think I'd give an edge to their bullpen. So it may just come down to whose lineup can can you know come through in the big spots and score a lot of runs because both bullpens with the lineups looking as good as they do if, if it comes down to a Dodger series, I think. They're going to have to score a lot of runs to make the a bullpen-proof leads if there's any hope of them getting past the Dodgers. Well, I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, the, the great thing about, you know, you can have as big a lead as you want against L.A., but the threat of the long ball with that team. And, and the one thing I've talked about with this Nationals rotation, especially the big four, this group has not walked batters. And, and if you give up a solo home run, that's been the beauty of Max Scherzer. Max will give up a home mm-hmm. run, but he doesn't walk anybody. So those home runs aren't two- or three-run home runs. And as long as you don't walk people, you can keep the damage to a minimum, even against a great hitting team like that. But that's the key. The key is not putting on the excess base runners. The key is playing great defense so you keep the excess base runners off that when a Bellinger or a Muncie uh, does punch one out of the ballpark, uh, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage because that's where they really – I mean, they scored you know 19 runs the other night uh, against the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays pitching couldn't keep people off base. And then when the Dodgers would hit a big fly, I mean, you're, you're getting three, four runs. Uh, at a pop, so um, you know that's the that's the critical part, and that's what's been so good about the Nats during this run. Starting pitching hasn't walked anybody. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. I hope that we'll get a uh, an opportunity to see them play the Dodgers in the postseason. <laughs> if you wouldn't have believed it in May that we'd even be having this conversation. Yeah, no doubt. It, it, it would be a great series. It really would. I mean, to be able to see, you know, Scherzer, Kershaw, Strasburg, Ryu. Uh, Bueller, uh, Corbin, stuff like that. I mean, however the rotations work out, uh, it would be phenomenal baseball. And there's nothing like it. I don't care what anybody says. There's nothing like postseason baseball. And I know Nats fans no. had their hearts broken a couple of times here in the postseason. But you know what? you got to get there to at least experience the heartbreak. So uh, that's the one thing exactly. they've done. They've, they've been fairly consistent at getting you to the postseason <laughs> uh, so you can at least have an opportunity 
to, to take part in that ride. And look, you never know. I mean, we see it all the time. Team loses a star player like Harper, and the next year uh, they, they turn out, maybe they turn the corner and things are working out for them because the clubhouse culture and environment right now uh, is, is, is as winning a one uh, as they've had uh, in quite some time. So I hope to see these guys be able to push it forward. They deserve it for the way they got up off the mat uh, after being 19 and 31. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All um, right, so Ryan, you got any more? I know Pete's only got a couple more minutes. Yeah, so we want time for, I think, one more question. Um, you mentioned Rendon and his market. Where do you think things stand right now between the Nats and their biggest upcoming free agent, Anthony Rendon? I, I think the I think the financial terms, Ryan, have that they've discussed um, have been fair. Uh, I, I think as anything, um, when Anthony Rendon was on with Grant and Danny from the Nats Youth Academy a couple of weeks ago, he talked about you know not only the the money but the the structure of the contract, and I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, um, you know, if there are deferred payments, and, and obviously the learners have uh, made it known they they like to negotiate with that tactic. Uh, if if you can get Rendon's side to agree to to some of that then I think this will get done. Uh, and even if the Nats have to budge on on some of that, I don't think Anthony Rendon's holding out for $300 million. I think the, the Arenado deal of 282 is somewhere in the same category. Um, and if that's where the Nats get to, I think if they get anywhere close to that number uh, with a reputable amount of years, uh, which presents security to Anthony, I think the question is the structure of the contract. And Anthony, I think, kind of, you know, basically indicated that and, and made that known in that conversation uh, with Grant and Danny. So I think the Nats will negotiate with him fairly. I mean, they know that the guy's a star player. I don't think they're going to insult him uh, with the offer. But what I love about Mike Rizzo is he never does his negotiating, nor do the learners. They don't do their negotiating in the public eye. Uh, they keep things as close to the vest as possible, uh, try to respect the privacy of the player. And in this case, I think the privacy of the player applies even more than Bryce Harper. Because I think I don't think Anthony Rendon cares about whether we're talking about hey Anthony Rendon's going to be a 13-year, 300 million dollar player. That's not who no. Anthony Rendon is. I just think Anthony Rendon wants a respectful structure of the contract as long as the dollar figures are are you know close to I think what he deserves or around the Nolan Arenado area. I think if you get that, I think this deal gets done, and I think Anthony stays here for the rest of his career. Love that. Well, I hope. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you're right. I think losing Bryce was really hard, but losing uh, Rendon in the consecutive year would be uh, that would be gut wrenching. So I hope they can work it out. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pete, for joining us. I really uh, appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear this interview, and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming, Pete. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Brian, take care. All right, so big thanks to Pete Medhurst. Make sure you guys go follow him at Pete Medhurst. He is the voice of the Naval Academy. He's on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, He does college football. He obviously does the Nats. I mean, the guy just does it all, and he took time to talk to us, just a group of uh, Nats fans just trying to make their podcast something worthwhile, and he took the time out of his busy schedule to chat with us. So we really appreciate that. He's a, as you heard a great interview class act, um, just great guy. So make sure you go give him a follow, uh, make sure you let him know how much, 
uh, you guys loved him on our show uh, because we definitely want him back in the future. And uh, I mean, like I said, great interview. I didn't get the chance to talk to him, but um, it's definitely on my list, my bucket list for the show. Uh, definitely need to talk to him because, um, again, great interview. But let's move on. All right. But kind of the last thing we did and last thing we want to talk about, um, we did a quick offseason uh, recap, just reviewing the moves. Um, Corbin, obviously a great addition. Nobody's denying that. But if you look at the rest, especially the bullpen in particular, okay? So we had Trevor Rosenthal, Kyle Bearclaw, Tony Sipp, Justin Miller. Uh, there's one I'm forgetting. All of them DFA'd. And that was Rizzo's opening day bullpen. Basically, everyone but Sean Doolittle is no longer in the bullpen or pitching. Uh, actually, well, Swero. But, I mean, huge problem in the offseason. Rizzo's done a good job of replacing all these guys. But it's just same old problem over and over and over again. Like, how many times are we going to need to address the bullpen before it's finally fixed? And even Doolittle hasn't been all that great this year, and Suero has been anything but uh, consistent. So, I mean, not a great offseason. In hindsight, Corbin kind of saved us. Sanchez has pitched well. Suzuki was the hero in the amazing comeback against the Mets and has been solid for the majority of the year. Um, Hasn't been all that great defensively, but the pitchers like him, and that uh, means a lot uh, to a team. And um, to the pitchers in particular, but people like Dozier, Adams, you could say Hellickson, Gomes, they've all been complete duds. Um, and that doesn't even include the bullpen pieces. Tanner Rainey, I mean, that deal was kind of coinciding with the Anibal Sanchez signing, uh, because obviously we traded away Tanner Roark, got Tanner Rainey. Rainey's been fine. I think he's been kind of not necessarily overused, but used in situations that aren't the best for him. Like after his first appearance, he immediately pitched like the eighth inning the next night. Not exactly the situation you want to use the guy who had the highest ERA among qualified pitchers last year, but that's where Davey used him. Um, I think he's been fine. He's very raw. He's the unseasoned chicken of um, Nats of the Nats bullpen. So he needs a little seasoning, but uh, I think he's raw and has a lot of upside. But, I mean, I'm fine with that move. But overall, the offseason is not what it was. But the moves we have made, or Rizzo has made in the meantime, have kind of salvaged things. And uh, the Nats have played as of late. I mean, you've all seen it. Best team in baseball since May 24th. Uh, And, I mean, those are just facts. Can't deny those. So, I mean, you could really argue we're the best team, second best team, because I think the Dodgers are unquestionably the favorite. Second best team in the NL, um, I mean, especially since May 24th. Um, it, it could be a, a battle. And I'm not, I mean, you know me, I'm the pessimist of the of the show. And Amanda is probably like dying that she can't be here live with me to, uh, to hear this. But the Nats legitimately have a shot. I'm not calling anything, but... I mean, you have a wild card game, uh, most likely. And if you win that, I mean, 
you match up pretty well against the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a force, and they it looks like it's their year, um, and they're hungry. I mean, they've lost in the World Series the past two years, so they really want one badly, and the Nats can't even get out of the first round. But, I mean, they want one badly, but the Nats are probably the team best equipped to match up against them. So a wild card win doesn't necessarily mean a division round loss. It probably does, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But that brings us to the hot topic, uh, which we talked about not the most recent episode that we tried to release, but the one before that that was screwed up, is who do you want in a wildcard game? And that is what I am going to leave you guys with today. If the wildcard game, if that's what our spot was, if we were the first place in the wild card we had a home game for the wild card game who do you want on the mound you have max scherzer who when healthy is arguably the best pitcher in baseball doesn't matter how old he is he is arguably the best pitcher in baseball when healthy we have seen max has not been himself since he's come back from the dl it's admirable for him to want to come out and pitch during uh this huge important stretch of the season and he's been competing, battling his ass off, trying to put us in a position to win. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when healthy, there really isn't any question that he is one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not the best pitcher in baseball. However, as we know with the Nats, it's not just Max Scherzer. If it was just Max Scherzer, then the season would have been over a long time ago. But we have Steven Strasburg, and we have Patrick Corbin even. Steven Strasburg, when he's on, I mean, yes, health has a lot to do with that. But when his stuff is on, he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball, too. Or if not the best, top five. His stuff is electric. He's pitched in huge games in the playoffs before with a lot of success. Scherzer, on the other hand, when in the playoffs, has not pitched with much success. And I'm not going to bring up the horrible, terrible inning Max had in 2017 against the Cubs because that was just like a fluke. I put that inning aside because it was a relief appearance. Max Scherzer's playoff stats in games he has actually started aren't that great. They are not that great. Strasburg's, on the other hand, are pretty damn good. So, I mean, if you're starting, if you're arguing to start Strasburg over Scherzer, that's a legitimate argument. That is not, oh, Max is the best pitcher in baseball you go with max you paid him to do what blah 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 strasburg is a legitimate argument so is corbin you can make an argument for corbin and obviously i can't really debate myself here but if it were me i would go strasburg my reason being for i'll give you two big ones to think about strasburg if you start him you can tell if strasburg has his stuff has his a game earlier than you can with max max he could easily give up a early home run and then settle down and he could go seven innings two earned runs and the two earned runs came in the first inning with Strauss, if he gives up two runs early he probably doesn't have it that day and yes you could counter argument and say you can't really afford to give up two runs early against uh, whoever we play in the wild card game. And that's a fair argument. It's do or die. But that's exactly my point. You will know right 
off the bat if you start Strasburg, if you need to go to Scherzer or if you need to go to Corbin or however you want to play that game, you can make that. With Scherzer, if you start him and he gives up two, let's call it two runs in the first inning, you don't know. You have no indication one way or another if he has it and he just needs to settle down or if he doesn't have it and what's a bad start is only going to get worse. So that's point one. Point two, and I guess this doesn't necessarily uh, apply to the game itself, the, that being the wild card game, but to Davey Martinez. If Davey Martinez came out and said, this is my Davey Martinez voice, I am naming Steven Strasburg our wild card game starter, I would have a whole new respect for Davey Martinez. Like, regardless of how well the Nats are playing now, I still think he's a bad manager. And I will not give credit where credit is not due. The team is healthy. The team is playing better. That has nothing to do with Davey. Davey is still making dumb decisions. He still is an inexperienced manager who will not necessarily get better. Not everyone gets better with time. But if he came out and said, Steven Strasburg is my wildcard game starter, I would have a whole newfound respect. Because I think the majority is on Max Scherzer's side to start the wildcard game. And that's not a bad side to be on. If that is your your honest-to-God stance on the debate, that's fine. That is perfectly fine, and I will try to give you facts to debate that. But if Max starts the wildcard game, I'm not going to have any problem with it. If we lose and Max starts the wildcard game, I'm still not going to have any problem with it because we are losing with our best pitcher starting the game. Like, but as I said before, you got to qualify that statement saying best pitcher win healthy. So if Max is healthy, which if you ask him, he's always going to say he's healthy because he wants the ball. That, I mean, that's exactly what you want out of your ace pitcher. But if he is truly healthy, yes, he's the best pitcher, but we don't know that. And as of now, September 4th, he is not healthy, or at least not completely. He's healthy enough to pitch, but he's just been average right now. So why not start Strasburg in the wildcard game and you have Scherzer lined up for game one? Or if Strasburg doesn't have it, then you can go right to Scherzer and he can be the stabilizer because you know he'll be ready to pitch because that's just the way Max is. And then if like you have to use Strasburg and Max in the wildcard game, you still have Corbin for game one. And like that's perfectly fine because Corbin's pretty damn good in his own right. So the Nat, the Nats have the flexibility to decide, and not many teams do. Like, look at the Yankees. I mean, it doesn't really matter who they threw out there for game one. Like, all their starters' ERAs are above four. Like, the Dodgers, yeah, they could do that. The Astros could do that. But they don't have to because they're going to win their divisions, and they didn't dig themselves into the hole at the beginning of the year. The Nats did, but thankfully, they have the ability to choose. And... If it were me, if it were my decision, I'm going Steven Strasburg. That's just me. And you guys can disagree. You guys can agree. But that's the whole point. It's a huge topic right now. We're not going to claim credit for it. But just think, if it were you, who do you want in the mound? Do you want Max? Do you want Strauss? Do you want Corbin, maybe? Or, I mean, do you want the guy who's been training all season to be the wild card game starter, Jeremy Hellickson? 
he has literally not pitched like in the past like five months in order to train for the wild card game. So it could be Helixon. I don't know. But again, from Amanda, from Ryan, from myself, we sincerely apologize for the technical difficulties. We don't have a studio yet. Chili's, you better get on that. But don't have a studio yet, so we're kind of at the, the mercy of our recording platform, whatever it may be. We have a couple that we try. The one that we've been using has been messing up recently, so I think we're off that. We're going to try a different one, even if it's lower quality. We want to get you guys the episode, so we will get you something. That is our promise. We will have an episode next week. We have to. It's playoff baseball on the horizon, baby. September baseball itself is exciting, but... I know Amanda really wants to record. I know Ryan really wants to record and uh, get it out there. But for now, it's just me. I hope you guys enjoyed the P. Medhurst video or video interview. Uh, that was Amanda and Ryan. I didn't have the pleasure of t- talking with Pete, but I listened to it. I know Pete's a great interview. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. Go give Pete a follow. Um, but that really does it for this episode of sorts. I hope you guys enjoyed it and we will talk to you soon. But in the meantime, go follow at half street high heat on Twitter. Go follow at DC NetCheck for Ryan and myself. Go follow at a white seven, eight, seven, seven for Amanda. We will talk to you guys soon. Talk to you guys in the meantime on Twitter and uh, go Nats. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.